0: Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com.
1: You probably shouldn't Google that. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And this is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. Woo, woo.
2: Sarah's well, very excited about our guests today. They dropped the bomb on me that he owns multiple horses, multiple Clydesdale horses. So
1: those are like, for those listening, those are the Budweiser commercial, like in the uh, Christmas time commercials with the big horses drawing the sleigh. And my spirit animal. Yeah.
2: <sighs> Moment of silence. I thought
1: your spirit animal was a unicorn.
2: Hello, a unicorn is a horse I'm that's just- magical. Come on. Today's guest is
1: a gentleman named Bart Queen and Bart is a communications guy but not in the way that like you're thinking. He teaches people how to talk without using the word um.
2: Mm. It wasn't um, it was like mm. <laughs> as in, "Oh, I'm intrigued." <laughs>
1: Oh,
0: That was super, so uh, like gonna, we
2: could not have planned that uh, any better. I know,
1: that was my plan. <laughs> we love the spontaneity in the studio. So Bart, I'm going to let you introduce yourself
2: after the How can you go after that, Bart? Now that's the question. <laughs> well,
3: the, the first thing I have to say is um before I can start after all that. Get it out of the way. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be a part of your show today. Thank, Thank you, you for having me on. How I got here. We can go back, way back, or or we can go back to maybe about two thousand and two, three, just to start. I have always had just a real deep passion around training and helping people see the light bulb come on. Mm-hmm. And part of that for me is just seeing people reach their full potential. When I came across this skill set around communication, I just fell in love. And in 2002, I made the commitment to start my own business.
2: Why did you fall in love? What was it about it that you fell in love with?
3: I saw people empowered. I saw people who thought they didn't have anything to offer find that little spark that turned into a fire that allowed them to get out and do into the world whatever they felt like they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Whether that was young people, high school students, whether that was people in business, or whether that was someone who had a passion around something personally that they wanted to see fulfilled. I, I have just learned out of my experience that people find their purpose really out of two major buckets. They either find it out of their passion, something that they just love and they want to go do, or they find it out of their pain. If you really look at a lot of people who bring change to the world, it comes out of some type of pain that they've experienced. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they become the voice of that pain to help other people not go through the same thing. But being able to believe in themselves enough to articulate that can become a challenge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the first voice in my mind that they have to turn off, guys, is the voice in their head. Because as soon as they make a commitment to say, you know what, I want to do this, the next thing that happens in their head says, you're not smart enough. Mm -hmm. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough education. You don't have enough experience to really do that. And then they stop before they ever start. Mm -hmm. Because realistically, right, what ends
1: up happening is that your brain is trying to protect you and some ass backwards way, it's limiting you. And those limiting beliefs turn into this like fear monster that you have to beat down before you can move forward.
3: When you see people start to begin to express it and they get just a little bit of encouragement, then you see that spark turn into a flame. Mm -hmm. In my training room, there's a poster that sits over the whiteboard that says, if one someone believes in you, one someone, you cannot fail. Mm -hmm. A lot of times in class, I become that person that just believes in them just enough to push them forward just a little bit. And that's what drives me to want to do this over and over again. Mm -hmm. And somehow, 33 years of teaching this has passed in a blink because of that.
2: So what does it look like? I'm sitting in your classroom. What is it that, what's Mm. the this that you're teaching?
3: Well, really, for me, it boils down to giving you your voice. Okay. The average person, if they said, Bart, what do you do? would probably put me in a bucket of a presentations coach or a speech coach. Is that something I do? Sure. Is it an aspect of it? Absolutely. Is there a part of that that's a sense of acting? Absolutely. You can look at Ronald Reagan, tremendous speaker. He learned a lot of his skill sets in acting. The the challenge is not to act, but for it to become genuine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To become a part of you. Yep. and this is where I always come back to a statement I make almost every single day. I wish we could get this skill set, this communication skill set to every 17 and 18 year old. I, I, I believe it would change their college presentations, for lack of a better term. It would change how someone says to them in that first job interview, Jenny, why should I hire you over everybody else in this room? And it would change how they eventually communicate with their spouse, significant Mm, other, whoever they're going to spend their life with. Totally. But we don't teach our young people this.
2: I'm about to give you some hope here. So at my children's school, they do this. They're very project based and presentation. And ever since kindergarten, every grade, that's what they're doing. They have projects and they have to present it and get up and and do the thing so that they build that courage, that confidence, Mm -hmm. that skill set. So there's hope.
1: Yeah. I've sat through some of Bart's stuff. Some of the this I've sat through this <laughs> and it is, it's powerful mm-hmm. and it's a teacher is only able to do so much with a classroom of 29 students. Mm. Is there probably a way when they are in kindergarten or each year that they get some of that one-on-one or, you know, smaller group kind of empowerment training? Sure. Is it something that happens in every school? I don't think so. Right. Agreed. And that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the unfortunate part is Agreed. that it's
3: not across the board. Yeah, Make one more comment. And I always say this. So I I appreciate you sharing what's happening in your school. If there is ever an opportunity in your school where I can come in and donate my time and my services, especially to the older young people mm-hmm. where they can link it to something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Juniors and seniors in high school. <clears throat> Heading off to college, job interviews. Yep. When, when you can link it to something, y- you get a better impact. Yep. But I never, ever hesitate if a, a school invites me in to donate as much time mm-hmm. as I can possibly give them. hmm So love there's it. my offer.
2: I love it. I was like, you're in trouble now. Because <laughs> <I'm laughs> all to, these people are gonna going to listen to it. I'm going to I love it. I love it. You said
1: you would donate your time. (laughs) 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 We heard you. (laughs) Love it. Love it. But it's, and I think it's, it's part of one of the things that we aim for here. If there's one person that's impacted by, so if there's one student in that group that's really impacted by what you do and they carry that through and they become the next Barack Obama or the next whatever, Mm -hmm. LeBron James or whatever, they have that confidence and that presence and then that ripple effect happens, which is a lot of what we aim for here is how do we create that ripple effect?
2: And I think the key that I, and I wrote it down on my uh, show notes for your, when we go to do release, is you said you help people find their voice because Mm -hmm. there's a significant difference between their true voice of who they are and what they believe and what they stand for versus what they think they should say or who they should be and what the expectation is and and things like that. So I think that value proposition is the big game changer for me, is you're not just telling, you're not teaching them how to be a great speaker. Those are the skills, the techniques. You're helping them find their unique, genuine voice of if you don't agree with that, then don't use that technique. If that doesn't feel right to you, then don't say that. So it's letting them be who they are versus trying to fit into this mold.
3: The skill sets will carry a person to the degree that they embrace them. So, much like in any class, you'll get a couple, of, let's say with the students, you'll get one student who will walk out the door and say, Bart, I really enjoyed your class. Thank you. And never embrace any of the things or implement any things we talked about.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You'll get some students who will embrace it partially. And you'll get some students who run with it. And those are the ones that end up excelling. Mm-hmm. If you look across the board, our ability to communicate both spoken and written are the two things that will separate you out from everybody else. Mm-hmm. But those are the two places in my mind we spend a lot the least amount of time sometimes. And mm-hmm. it's not something that you do once. It's how you carry yourself. It's how you interact with the person at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. It's how you interact with somebody on the phone. It's how you address your email when you're reaching out to folks or you're communicating. Mm -hmm. It it goes all the way across the board. And that's why I just don't like to be pinned into that box of just a presentation code. It's where you can apply it, Mm -hmm. of course. But Mm -hmm. can you apply it with everything we're doing in Zoom today? Absolutely. When COVID first hit, the majority of my time with my clients was, how do you communicate more clearly through this darn computer? (laughs) And how do you come across as authentic? Yep. Because we're missing that face-to-face piece. Mm-hmm. That, that becomes the challenge. How do you let your energy
2: speak through across the screen?
3: Yep. Yeah. Yep. I just get such a kick out of some things you watch on TV, and the the way they've set up their camera, you're looking up their nose. Oh my! I'm like it drives me bananas. <laughs> yeah.
2: We were, yeah. (laughs) Or when they have the damn window behind them. So they're this dark shadow where it's like those with the secret service where you're like. Well, that's why
1: I talk about a bright light in COVID. Room Raider, hello. Am I speaking to a room that doesn't know what room? I told you what Room Raider. So Room Raiders is this account on Twitter that surfaced as a result of the pandemic that literally would just go through all of the news media as they were being interviewed and rate their rooms behind them. The and then they started, yeah. And then they started selling merchandise. It was fantastic. Cause one day we were watching, remember, we were watching an interview with Gretchen Whitmore from the governor of Michigan. And she had the pillow that was like room <laughs> raider, 10 out of 10. And I pointed out to my husband and I was like, that's, awesome. that's amazing. Yeah. And he was like, do you think they gave that to her? I was like, I don't know. And I immediately went to the website. You can buy the merchandise. Yeah. So you can actually like brand your room as a 10 out of 10 and send people to room rate. Like it's genius. Yeah. I think that what, what caught a lot of people off guard was they were so afraid of the technology that they weren't realizing how it was impacting their presentation. Whereas they may have just been fine otherwise, right. Talking to a room or even just being on a conference call, having that, that the screen in front of them ended up creating a whole new dynamic for them.
3: It's just like someone who has to talk to a camera. When I would coach an executive that was doing something, say for a press and media situation, and they're on a camera, I would get someone to stand right beside the camera with them. So they feel like they're having a conversation instead of talking to the darn camera. Thank you. Yes.
2: Y'all, I just experienced that this week in my Facebook group. Brave leaders, dare to lead. Come join us. (laughs) <laughs> no one was there for my live this time. Like I got text of like, hey, I have a meeting. I can't be there on the live. And when I walked away from the live compared to the other week where there was people on the live with me, it is like night and day mm-hmm. difference. And it's because I'm like the energy level, the energetic exchange, totally not there. And it like deflates it. And I got off thinking, oh my God, that did not feel like my A game because I felt like I was freaking talking to my damn self. And there's no joy in that. (laughs) But there's a way to get over that because. Teach me, Bart. What is the way to get over that? It just feels different though. It's like flatter.
1: Yeah. I started a new series in my Facebook group. Social media and content marketing strategy. There you Find go. It on Facebook. Good job. Yep. Facebook.com slash group slash content and strategy. It's Monday makeup and marketing. So I literally can't pay attention to what people are saying because I'm trying to do my makeup and talk at the same time. And then that's just beyond me. The two tasks at once. That's all I'm good for. But it also, I feel like that's freeing. Like for me, it's freeing because I can just deliver my message, be myself, put makeup all over my face, whatever. And I, I'm good with that.
3: So a, cu- a couple of things that she just said, and I, you and I get to see how she was just sharing that information. Mm-hmm. I think Jenny just really hit on the three areas that I'm constantly trying to get people to think about. <laughs> yes. Number one. <laughs> Gold star. Number one, it's a conversation, mm-hmm. not a presentation. So right. you just listen to her. She's just talking. Did you notice her hands are all over the place? Right. She's doing that this. Never stops. She's doing this. So she's having a conversation. The second thing as a result of that, you have a connection. Mm-hmm. And to your point, when you're looking at that silly camera and that's all, it's hard to feel like you're having a connection with someone. Yep. That's it's what, not like having a cup of coffee or a glass of wine with somebody. Yep. And the third thing is w- when you have a conversation and you feel the connection, you're far more confident mm-hmm. in, in just sharing from your heart. Yep. Yep. everybody wants, when they break into presentation mode, they feel like it has to be perfect. And when you feel like you have to be perfect, you put yourself on a performance treadmill. And then you let go of everything that was so natural that Jenny just did. Mm -hmm. And you can't be yourself. Mm -hmm. When you sit down to have a conversation with your husband or your children and you're driving home, you don't say, okay, now this has to be perfect. I have to say it exactly like that. You don't do that. Mm -hmm. You walk in, you sit down at the kitchen table, you're with your kids and your husband, and you have a conversation. But when we get in front of a customer or you get in a situation like what we're doing right here today and you feel like it has to be perfect, then you just set yourself up for failure. Mm -hmm. If there's one thing I have to say to executives at keynote speeches, it's can you pretend you're in your living room for me? Mm -hmm. Because they'll get up on stage and do something. And then when they walk down the hallway with everybody else, they're totally different and they lose in Mm -hmm. my mind.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I gave up on perfection a hell of a long time
3: ago. (laughs) It's what you (laughs) do in the hallway and in an elevator is what you have to do on the stage. Yes, it's 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 no it's no different. Yes. But that means you look at it from a communication perspective, not a speech
1: perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I incorporate imperfection as part of my brand. It's because it's, I know, like I own that. I'm not, I'm never going to be like, nothing is ever going to be perfect. And that's
3: cool.
2: Well, and it's boring, lame, but I can't even say that it's part of my brand. It's just who I am. Well, people can't connect to perfect.
3: Yeah. You just hit on something that I teach in class all the time. We have a tendency to think that our trophies are what will attract people to us. It is not. It is our failures that attract people to us. Because we then inspire them if we have overcome them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. But we don't allow that vulnerability out. What I call relevant mm-hmm. vulnerability. Relevant meaning to the situation that you're in. Is right. the story appropriate or not appropriate? Yep. And then being strong enough to share, you know what? I screwed up. Mm-hmm. I failed. I dropped the ball. I flunked. Mm-hmm. I got fired. Well, whatever it may happen to be in our lives. hmm right.
1: And I think what's interesting is that each of us work with our clients in a different way on accepting that vulnerability Mm -hmm. is a part of helping people understand you better and Mm -hmm. be attracted to you.
2: Yep. Yep. So share with us one of your failures.
3: Oh my gosh. That would take us through about tomorrow, probably. (laughs) Just one. Really? Uh, uh, (laughs) No, that would be a series of (laughs) failures. (laughs) Can I like just what start failure with fact? would
1: take us to tomorrow? Can you I,
3: have to share. Can I start with just getting up this morning? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm like, maybe we should do a podcast just on failures. Oh yeah, share it. Yeah,
1: totally. We'll crowdsource it. We can. That's an idea. Put it down for season two.
3: I don't have too many regrets. Mm-hmm. Not too many, but one that still breaks my heart is with my dad. My father and I, like many father and son, butted heads. If Dad said it was blue, I said it was black. Mm-hmm. We we never really saw eye to eye. <clears throat> and my father f- ended up coming down with four stage bone cancer, and I packed my bag and I moved home to look out for him. Mm-hmm. I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. So always in my head and my heart, I thought that was a place where I could help. Mm-hmm. But in the 10 days from the day he was diagnosed to the day he passed, I, I never had the guts and the courage to sit by his bedside and say, Dad, let's clear the plate. Let's settle mm-hmm. our differences and be good with each other. hmm I never did that. And, of course, once the person's gone, you never get a chance to go back and fix that. So that has helped me at times have those harder conversations today Mm -hmm. that that I need to have. That would be a big failure for me as a son, I think.
2: If he was sitting in that chair next to you right now, what would you say to him?
3: I would tell him that I loved him. My father only said he loved me once in my whole life. I would have liked to have said that to him more.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: I'm a different person now than I was 30 years ago. I wouldn't let my pride get in the way now like it did then when I was a young man. hmm But I was determined to be right. Doesn't get you very much sometimes.
2: hmm Okay. You said he's told you he loved you once in his life. What are some ways that he showed you?
3: Oh, my father was a tremendous provider. hmm I always had shoes on my feet and a shirt on my back and... Food on the table. Mm -hmm. There just wasn't what I would call that relationship that we would talk about today so much. My father was one of 18 children. So I think he was very much like his own father, the provider, and not so much. He was the father, not so much the dad. Right. Whereas today we see dads out there with their children all the time.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. It's one of the things we talk about of the difference between apples and oranges, right? And if you're always looking for the apple, i.e. the verbal I love you, you're missing all the oranges. Sure. Of waking you up to go to school or going to work every day, working extra to make sure you guys always were provided for, things like that. There's nothing wrong with wanting the apples. Like, of course, yes, I want the apples. And I can also see and be mindful of the oranges too.
3: That comes with age and wisdom and experience. What do they say? Something's wasted on the youth?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, when you are mm-hmm. working with the more youthful set that may be exhibiting the giant chips on their shoulders and the prideful mannerisms and that arrogance that we know exists with our young folk. What steps do you take to break that barrier down and get to their vulnerable chewy center?
3: I don't know, Jenny, that there's a definite strategy that I think through in that. When I look at every single person in my class, <clears throat> typically no more than 12, because you want practice and you want behavior change at what we're doing, there are so many people that would teach this skill set. In my mind, it's all knowledge transfer. Mm-hmm. You can give a ton of theory, but you're not going to walk out the door and communicate any differently tomorrow because I told you that. You've got to have a little muscle memory. hmm So when I look at these folks, I do my best to see their potential and and not the issues or the challenges or their their problems. Mm -hmm. And I just ask them, what is it you want to do? Then let's figure out a way to get you there. And we just start working on it. When they feel like they're in a safe place, then it changes. So if there was a strategy that you were asking me to pinpoint, it would be creating a safe space, Mm -hmm. their ability to fail there. And I will tell this to the class. I get to be the critic. I'm the coach. Only thing you can do with each other is offer points of praise. So Mm -hmm. in this room, points of praise only to each other. Now, what you say to each other outside the four walls, that's completely up to you. Mm -hmm. And if somebody starts to be critical, you did this okay, but right. then I shut them down pretty, yeah. pretty quick. And I even do that with the adults in my class. Mm-hmm. I'll get a sales manager who will say, Bart, I just want to sit at the back of the class and watch. And I'm like, then you can't come in because what your salespeople are going to be experiencing is completely different than you sitting in the back of the class.
2: Yep. And that's going to change that entire dynamic. Mm-hmm. Oh,
3: absolutely! Because mm-hmm. they're going to feel like they have to be perfect again, mm-hmm. 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 and they're sitting under judgment, literally. They're not
2: going through <laughs> it together, right? They're they're doing it, and this mm-hmm. above them person is watching them, judging, right. critiquing, grading, so to speak. I yeah. think
3: one of the greatest benefits that I have seen in, in the course of my career is a sales manager with his sales team or her sales team go through it together mm-hmm. with that idea that iron sharpens iron and so does one person another. Yep. They, they make each other better because yep. your strength may be Jenny's weakness and mm-hmm. her strength may be your weakness. Mm-hmm. But together, you're far more powerful than you are apart.
2: Totally. It's true. And that's what I tell my team. I was like, I'm never going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself or that I'm not willing mm-hmm. to do with you. Yeah. And I think
1: that's the difference between like leadership training and experience and management training and experience, right? Because in management training, they teach you to provide, what is it, constructive feedback with the sandwich method, right? Praise, criticism, praise, right? It's not that you're creating a safe space and saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you feedback so that you can excel and we're going to talk about where you could improve but I'm not going to be critical of you. That's the difference between a leader and a manager is going to manage your behavior and tell you what you're doing wrong versus somebody who's exhibiting strong leadership skills. It's going to be like, you know what? Let's rise up together.
2: I think leaders get curious Mm -hmm. and managers get critical.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I always try to, in my coaching in class, it's a three to one ratio. So if you were up front and I was getting you to do an exercise I would give you three points of praise to one point of coaching. You did this great. I really liked how you handled this. The way you said that was was wonderful. Now I want you to think about X. Mm-hmm. And let's practice that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And you do it over and over until that becomes a point of praise. Mm-hmm. So it's turning that what might be an opportunity or what other people may see as a weakness into something that's more neutral and then into more positive. Right. But it, it's a path, just like an athlete.
2: hmm And the way you just presented it right there, it's presented in the coaching model versus criticism. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, you didn't do this. You should have done it this way. That's not how you presented it at all. Yeah. Yeah. So people are able to receive that. Mm -hmm.
3: I I think the other thing that's made the program so successful is that I lay out a standard. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, guys, here's your golden rule. Here's the principle I want you to embrace. Now let's strive for that principle it's a constant seeking excellence, not perfection. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a standard or the gold bar, whatever you want to achieve to, well Mm -hmm. then uh, what what are you reaching for?
2: Well, it's just like any goal setting. If you don't know what your goal is, how are you going to know how to get from point A to point B? You'll get like, you'll go off track with distractions, things like that, rather than if you know what the goal is, is this going to give me traction to the next stage mm-hmm. closer to the mm-hmm. goal, or is it a distraction that's going to veer me away from the goal?
3: John F. Kennedy once said that the mass of all men only hit what they aim at. So mm-hmm. to your point, if you don't know what you're aiming at, how are you ever going to hit the target? Mm-hmm. But getting people to pinpoint that sometimes is difficult.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: They, they just don't have the focus to be able to do that.
1: So one of the common things that I'm hearing throughout all of this is your role as like the helper. Is that something that like has been ingrained in you that you've always been the helper? Or is it something that you learned along the way? Or what kind of drove you to, to that kind of model of entrepreneurship that you were going to be a helper?
3: When I was, I grew up on a farm, and I was involved in the 4-H program. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that program? So very early, I got asked to be what we call the junior leader. So you would help the advisor to the project you were working on, whatever mm-hmm. that may happen to be. So th- that was probably the beginning for me at 12 and 13 and 14 years old, where I was helping the little kids that were seven, eight, and nine do their animals, prepare their animals to go to fair. Mm-hmm. Like you see, if you go to a country kind of fair or oh. your state fair, mm-hmm. I
1: lived in Syracuse, New York for 12 years. And okay. that is where the New York's, the great New York state fair takes place. I'm just saying.
3: So you see all these little kids out there with their lambs or their pigs. Yeah. Or their it's amazing. No, we the, go to the four H
1: building every year because
3: they put a lot of work.
1: They do. And they deserve the, yeah, it's awesome. The NC state fair is also great but not as great as the New York State Fair, I'm just saying.
3: But you can get a lot of good fried food at the NC State Fair. <laughs> you can. There is
1: like the fair level of the
3: food level at the fair is what I'm trying to say. Is oh, we like are, We so digress.
2: <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, screw
3: it. I'm going to bring us back on track. Thank yeah, bring you. Us back. Thank you. <laughs> That's probably where the beginning of this idea of wanting to help folks. Mm-hmm. And then that, that carried over in college through some of the things that I was involved with on my campus about helping other people be able to articulate whatever it was they wanted to talk about. It's been a common thread through my whole life.
2: So what is something that has been difficult for you to find the courage to speak up about?
3: I I think that would be more around just sharing about your personal life. So even though we can talk about relevant vulnerability, there are things in everybody's life that we like to keep under lock and key. We we have to keep protected. I'm no different than anybody else Mm -hmm. in that area. And it's finding the place that you can... Find trust or or not only the place, but the people.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And not feel like you're under some form of judgment, mm-hmm. no matter what that group is. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. I work with my clients all the time. The difference between personal and private. You can be personal. You can show your personality. You can have shared experiences. You can create emotional engagement with your audience. You can do all of that and still keep those things that you want private off the, off the table as far as discussion topics. Right. But people don't understand that they think that like people hear that they should be vulnerable. They should be authentic. They think that they need to verbal vomit their entire life story. And that's the, that's the opposite. (laughs) If you're very, if you're intentional about it, your message comes across that much stronger and clearer.
2: And I wasn't even, when I asked the question, I wasn't even asking private stuff. I was saying like, what is something? Tell me all your secrets. Right, exactly. (laughs) I was more like, what was something that it was difficult for you to find the courage? You found the courage, you spoke up about it. And Mm. then what was that? Because I think it's important for listeners to know, yes, It is difficult to find the courage to speak up about things when you do find that courage and you go through that experience, how you feel on the end, on the Mm -hmm. other side of that. That's what I think is important for people to uh, understand and experience and learn from because it's not just getting stuck in the initial Mm -hmm. fear. It's how I'm going to feel after I move through that Mm -hmm. and find the courage to move through it.
1: Yeah, you want to be proud, like you are You should be proud of your accomplishment. You shouldn't be so prideful that you don't try new
3: things. Mm. Yeah, I think, I'm sure both of you have read some things by Brene Brown.
2: <laughs> I she, have no idea what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> Sarah is a uh, Daring Way certified facilitator. Ah,
2: okay. I'm certified in all things Brene Brown.
3: Yes. <laughs> okay, I, I have so enjoyed her as an author. Mm-hmm. And the principles that she's taught. And I've incorporated those into class for many of my folks.
0: Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen it. that
3: idea of relevant vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I will also tell them nobody cares about your therapy, but people don't mind knowing the lesson you learned from your therapy. Correct.
2: Exactly. Yep. Yep. Notice how he still didn't answer that. <laughs> Look how good he did that. He did. I just would like to highlight how professionally he just sidestepped that.
1: <laughs> I told you this was going to be a fun interview.
2: <laughs> Yay.
3: At least you didn't say, I spend it.
2: No, you, you did a very beautiful dance. Mm hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which and is, then I try to pull you back in and spin you around and you're like, nope, spinning back out, Sarah, <laughs> spinning back out. <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> I don't fault you for trying. right?
1: <laughs> I think it's interesting, though, that people spend so much time and energy trying mm-hmm. to learn how to be a better speaker when if they would stop listening to the voices in their head, like, the answer is actually quite easy, right? It's about just owning your voice.
3: Yes. Like, for, it's simple,
1: it's not easy. Let me put it that way. It's a well,
3: simple answer, but it takes work to get there. I think there, it's no different than an athlete. You could make a decision as a young person saying, I am bound and determined to go to the Olympics. Okay, nothing wrong with that. I'm bound and determined to get my voice. I'm bound and determined to talk about what I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. And then there's a journey to help get you there. And it's a lifetime journey. I'm not going to look at you and say, okay, you want to go out for the Olympics, you want to do the shot put, let's go practice once, now get on a plane tomorrow and go to the Olympics. (laughs) You're you're not going to do that. The idea of learning to be a good communicator is a lifetime journey. Mm -hmm. Because how you Mm -hmm. communicate with your children today at their age, when they're young adults with families of their own, you're going to communicate with them totally differently. Mm -hmm. Not only have they changed, but you've changed. And maybe your whole thought pattern or what you believed when you were 10 is no longer true when you're 20 or when you're 60. totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And
1: even like a day by day, it can change. Yeah. I think that there's, like I still, it goes back to intention, right? Like it's how open can you be with yourself and honest? Can you be with yourself? How vulnerable can you be with your partner or your kids or whatever? And let them know that vulnerability isn't weakness.
3: Okay. It's strength.
2: It's our greatest measure of
3: courage. Yes. If you think about it from my idea of the athlete is constantly sharpening their skill. Mm -hmm. They're always looking for new ways to enhance their game. Mm -hmm. And that should be, in my mind, our philosophy of how we're articulating ourselves. Mm -hmm. And within that, there are certain skill sets you want to look at. Most people would call it body language. I call it delivery mechanics. It's the same thing. But you have to think about what you're physically doing when you deliver a message mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. that gets perceived. And people in my class will go, well, that's really uncomfortable.
1: It was, it was very uncomfortable.
3: And, and, <laughs> and I will come back to them and say, you know what? It's not about you. It's about how I perceive you. Yeah. That matters. Yeah. He has issues with my ripped jeans. Uh, I do not. Just like, just funny. No, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> and I'm like, it's so funny because he said that. And I was like, I only had my arms crossed because my hands are freezing and I'm trying to warm them up.
1: <laughs> you immediately were like triggered. Like, oh, my God. Was, all right. So in Bart's class. So we did. We also my earrings are distracting, which I totally understand because I actually took that to heart because I was like. Do. But it's anyway. So I what are the, it, so we I, talked about? All right. So hold. this is what we said.
2: They're part of your brand.
1: I know it's part of my brand, but when I'm speaking to a, if I'm speaking to a room or whatever, like it can be part of my brand and for the presentation I can put studs on or, but he actually had me pull my hair up away from my face, take off my earrings and stand differently and then ask the room how they perceived me.
2: Oh, interesting. Yes. (gasps) So
1: fun. It was very interesting and it was very, it was, there was a a big difference and I had to smile. Because my natural is RBF, yes. Yeah. And that's because the corners of my mouth pull down. Like, that's just a natural thing that I have to work against with my... Don't they have those things that, like, those muscles, those things you can put in your mouth and Stop like... Stop anyway. Stop it. Stop um, it.
3: <laughs> so, Jenny, if I... Let me interrupt and to, to bring her up to speed just a little bit. Come back to the principle I was trying to share with you. And that was mm-hmm. to, to build your command presence, mm-hmm. build that... And reduce the distractions that causes Bart Queen to not want to listen to you. Yeah. So you're always looking for that. Mm -hmm. And then to balance that, you're always looking to promote your sense of authority and balance that with your sense of approachability. Mm -hmm. So we're always looking for that balance. Mm -hmm. And that's that fine tuning piece. I would never, ever want you to compromise who you are or your brand. I would want you to think through in that situation, what will cause that lady and that man to not want to listen to you. And if this message has got any value to it, then you're going to make a choice based on that.
1: So it's first about knowing your audience and recognizing how you can incorporate those authentic and vulnerable parts of yourself to make sure that you're not sacrificing that component while also making sure that you are providing the best experience possible for the listener.
3: Yep. Always. It's always about them. Everything that you do when you communicate is about who you're communicating with, the receiver. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not about you.
2: Yes. That's so good. It's not about you. It's about the receiver and their perception of Mm -hmm. you. And so that hits, because if I'm being totally honest, right, like one of my like deep core fears is that my heart's intention will not be clearly understood like what is in my heart and then when I communicate verbally Mm -hmm. the receiver is going to hear something differently and then we're going to have a miscommunication because connection is one of my top three core values and so then the connection is broken Mm -hmm. and you leave with this whole like not true because then truth is my number and so then you leave with this lie of what I said and I'm like but that's not even what I know I- and then you feel <laughs> and
1: then like on our end like you I I would feel blindsided I'm like wait a sec that's not what I said that's not, because you're so strongly and you feel so strongly about what your intention is that you're like but how could you perceive it that way
3: and <laughs> that's the skill of you thinking through how do I craft my message
2: mm-hmm. and it's interesting because Oh, this is so funny. This memory just popped in my head this morning of when I was back in my days when I was doing couples therapy, I was meeting with a couple and she was talking to me about her her trauma as past trauma. And I said to her and I and I was giving praise of. People that experience trauma a lot of times can either go into victimhood where it derails them or in Survivor. And I said, and you've taken it and you've become a Survivor. And I gave this whole thing about Survivor. Yeah, you're amazing. She came in the next week and she was popping mad. And I'm like sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? She unleashes on me. And she's like, you said that I was a victim and I left here and I researched that and I'm absolutely not a victim. And I was like, holy hell, (laughs) because I used the word victim first. Unleash the Kraken. Yes. But I made the mistake of using the word victim first because she heard it. It triggered her and everything I said afterwards, she did not hear.
3: So let me offer you this statistics. How long do you think the average person listens when asked a question? I don't know. Four seconds. I, I knew the answer. After I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> After four seconds, they're already up in their head. They're not even listening anymore.
1: They're formulating their response. I'm totally yep. fucked. Or going down the rabbit hole of triggers. So,
2: so I'm always going to start being, you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Four seconds. You're amazing.
3: Yes. People remember the first thing you say. You proved it. Right. And the last thing you say and everything in between is blah, 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 blah,
1: blah. It's Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 that wah, is heartbreaking
3: wah, wah. for me, you guys. <laughs> so is if you will. if you- But you can keep them captivated
1: because you know that to be not true by the people that you listen to. And maybe you're like brought back every eight seconds or so. Something brings you back. But there's something that keeps you engaged. Right. So you're going to, you are going to miss parts in the middle because you're going to go in your head. But there are people that you very clearly remember or like TV shows or movies or, you know, that you can actually like replay and you know exactly what they said because that part
3: stuck. Yes. And so those, those are called
1: sound bites. That's what I was looking for.
3: So the, the second thing I would get you to think about is the length of your sentence. If you give a PhD sentence, I won't walk out the door remembering it. You're never going to remember me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't think I'm going to forget this experience for a while. (laughs) I know. It's
1: just so good. No, Sarah. And now everybody, please don't. Listeners, don't just question every uh, presentation you've ever given. I wondered if people were like imagining the abominable snowman in their head instead of (laughs) listening to you. I'm just saying. You have given significant and memorable sound bites in your life.
3: So I'll offer you one more thought.
2: I'm already in a ball on the floor.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And both of you have demonstrated this in my mind. In any communication situation that we're in at the highest level, 100,000 feet, you, you only have three major goals, and everything comes down from that. How do I build trust with my listeners? Or listener.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: How do I build a relationship with them? And how do I keep them, to your point, how do I keep them engaged? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's, that's it. So you think about your kids. They're always on their phone. And you're going, could you put down your phone? Because mm-hmm. they're not engaged. Mm-hmm. right?" right? Your, your spouse, do I have enough trust factor with them that I can share this deep, dark, secret with them? Mm-hmm. Or something I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. It's all about trust and relationship.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: And that is a perfect time to segue into the lightning round.
2: I love it. Every time that sound comes on, the guests' eyes are like, what the hell is happening? What's about to happen? And Joe just
1: gets so giddy to be able to push (laughs) the lightning round button. I have so few things to do.
3: (laughs) It's my one thing. Don't take away my joy. (laughs) Joe, I was hoping that you'd pipe in and help me out a little bit, sir. (laughs) I feel a little ganged up on, <laughs> and you just sit over there and smirk as they tear me apart. The we relationship and friendship apart. I thought I had with you is right. over.
1: Bart has no more trust in Joe. Has to rebuild trust, and I think of all those coffees I brought him. For <laughs> but also, I didn't say truth. I was just really trying not to.
3: You, and yeah, you're I, better though. <laughs>
1: Jeff, when I, when we were like rounding up this morning and Joe was, and I was like, "Yep, yeah, Bart's coming in. He has a hard stop, blah, blah, blah. And then we have another guest of love and he's Bart's the only person that I've ever recorded that has never said, um,
2: nice. So you know how he's doing it, right? Are you watching him? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Lightning round. Okay. What am I doing? You, it's the power of the pause.
3: Yeah. It's also the power of a short to a medium sentence.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a skill I need to learn.
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to, we're, at, we're gonna count
3: how many ums. So are how, in how, this. how long can we distract them, Joe, from one? <laughs> of them? Are you ready? one. Well, we're running, the we we right, the we running out the clock. We got the stop. All right, guys, come on.
1: All right, what is the number one thing on your bucket
3: list? It's been on my bucket list since 2008. Give a million people their voice. Nice. Uh.
2: What is your favorite place in the world? On your farm with your horses? Oh no, wait, that's me. <laughs>
3: I I have a 93-year-old friend that when I travel abroad for work, she always goes with me. Mm -hmm. And we always have adventures together. I think my absolute favorite place would be South Africa. Uh, We took a train ride from Johannesburg to Cape Town that was steam train. It was just wonderful. That
1: sounds amazing. That does. It's, It's
3: a beautiful country to see.
1: Did you know that Outlander is partially filmed in South Africa? I did not. Mm. I'm going to Google that. Okay. What is your number one favorite book?
3: From a business perspective, some of John Maxwell's books, Mm -hmm. I sincerely enjoy. The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership has always been one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. From a more personal perspective, I'd probably say The Bible.
2: What is something people often get wrong about you?
3: Interesting question. I think a lot of times people misinterpret my generosity. Ever since I was a little kid, being an only child, the the people who babysat me had five kids. So during the summertime, mom would say something like, okay, I'm going to bring you home a treat or a toy. And what would you like? And I'd say, squirt gun. Remember, you get 59 cent squirt guns. But I would say, mom, you can't bring one. You have to bring six for the kids next door. Mm -hmm. So that has been my whole philosophy and I think the f- people question the motive instead of you just being kind. Interesting. Because yes.
2: uh, it's so hard for people to receive. It, and that's yes. the
1: thing. It's about the reception, not the the giving. Because we, I run into that too. Because it's just, no, I just, why not? Why wouldn't you just do it, right? Yeah, I like that. Okay. If you could go back and advise yourself at any age in history, when would you go back to and what would you say?
3: I would go back to college and I would have someone advising me about how to handle my college career more not accurately yeah did you have more, too much fun Bart more effectively mm-hmm. i I just didn't I didn't have any guidance <laughs> did you, did you so not apply I, yourself <laughs> I floundered pretty well mm-hmm.
2: what keeps you up at night
3: I hurt for the times that we're in right now mm-hmm All across the world for just the lack of value that people show to others. Mm -hmm. Just the human factor. Leave politics out. Leave your religious ideas out. Leave everything out and just see each other as a human being Mm
0: -hmm.
3: and treat each other appropriately. Mm -hmm. It, It breaks my heart.
1: What is something no one knows about you?
3: You're still trying to get my waist size. I'm not going to give you that. <laughs> she, she's asked that question five thousand other ways.
2: Who would play you in your life movie?
3: Who would play me mm-hmm. in my? Oh, of like, course, Joe. Of course, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you want people to watch the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Who would play me in my life movie? Oh God, nobody would have the guts to do that. Who would play me? Are you thinking like I should name some other actor or actress? Yeah, like
1: if your life was made into a biopic. Who plays you? Who Uh, plays Bart uh, Queen? Oh,
3: okay. Who's tall, dark, and handsome?
2: (laughs) I'm like (laughs) Sean Connery, (laughs) Hugh Jackman. Come on. Oh, Hugh Jackman. Yes, I can see that.
1: Yeah, Sean Connery died though, right?
2: No, I did not. Yeah. (laughs) Did not know that. (laughs) It was like a month ago. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I broke it. My hallmark hole. I don't know things. (laughs) (laughs) It
3: it would have to be somebody short and stocky to play me. Okay.
1: Okay. But not Danny DeVito or Joe Pesci. I would not. (laughs) No. I'm just saying. Wrong energy. Definitely. Yeah. All right. And if your life had a theme song, what
3: would it be? Let Your Life Speak. All right. Bye.
2: Who's that? I don't know.
3: New song. Joe knows.
2: <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to Google that too. He's
3: going to play it for us. You don't have to, but we have to let Bart go. It's, it's okay. one of my favorite songs. It just I talks can't. about letting your whole life speak.
2: Nice. Mm. I can't wait to hear that.
3: There's a tremendous book by, I think it's Parker Palmer, or is it Palmer Parker? I always get his name reversed. It's called Let Your Life Speak. And it's a it was a catalyst for me in that journey. Gotcha. Love it. So, Bart, tell us, uh, tell our listeners where they can find you. Guys, I'd be happy to help you in any way, shape, or form. You can find me at bart at bartqueen.com.
2: Awesome. All right thank you everybody for listening that wraps us up for today you can always we always appreciate you reaching out and connecting with us like subscribe comment all that good thing on the girls slide into our DMs yep slide into our DMs we are the girls who do stuff I am Sarah Madras and I am Jenny Midgley And and you do you boo we love making this stuff for you you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media